Alrighty, guys, this is Jim Collins, and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit 362. Uh, tonight, we have our special guest that we were going to do last week, but we had a little technical difficulties with the internet and couldn't get it up and running. But uh, I hope y'all guys are on standby and y'all ready for another great show tonight. Uh, tonight, just want to make sure I ain't hearing no echoing. Um, but tonight we're going to have uh, Tyler Easterlin from Swift Creek Farms, and then we're going to also have Rec uh, coming in, which was his mentor, uh, his student actually. And uh, we're going to bring them on tonight so they can talk about their experience uh, with the Journey to the Pit 362 program. So I'm going to bring those guys in in a second. We got some guys already coming in, so it sounds like everything is good. Um, everything looks good. So I got these guys on standby right now. I'm going to go ahead and bring them in, but we should have a great, great show tonight. Um, guys, they cannot see uh, the comments. So if there's any comments in the comment section that y'all guys or questions y'all might want to ask, uh, just go ahead and put it in the comment section. I can see it um, and I'll ask them those questions uh, that y'all guys may post in the comment section. So we're going to go ahead and bring these guys on um, and I'll bring them on actually one at a time first. Now I'm going to bring in um, Rec, our student, right now. Sound is good. Sound is good. Okay. Everything looks good. All right. So, guys, we're getting feedback that everything is looking good. Let me go ahead and bring Mr. Rec in here, which is our student. Rec, you coming on now in two seconds. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Jim? How's it going? Well, listen, uh, I wanted to go ahead and bring you on first. Um, and uh, so we could just talk for a quick second. You know, you can tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go ahead and bring Tyler on, which is your mentor. And then we'll try to get into the, uh, you know, we'll try to get into the groove of things. Look like Tyler's down there standing up. Um, OK, <laughs> but everything is good. So before we get started, let me go ahead and say the disclaimer. Everything discussed in this interview is for historical, educational and entertainment purposes only. None of this information is intended for any legal purposes and all opinions are respected of the individual. So go ahead, Rick, introduce yourself, where you're from, and uh, we'll start from there. All righty. Uh, so I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Uh, everybody calls me Rick. That's just what I've been called my whole growing up. Um, right. So a little bit about myself and involved in GameFell. I started. Right. Uh, man, it's been crazy. I started probably back in like 03, 04. Okay. And uh, the story is kind of wild because not everybody knows this story, and I don't think I've ever really told anybody. They just thought I was like in a generational type cocker. Right. But that's not the case at all. If I told you I was first generation, nobody would believe me. Wow. And uh, wow. So like in 03, 04, I had a friend, uh, Manuel. Growing up, we were like in middle school, elementary school, going to sixth grade, and. Uh, I would go to his house and, uh, you know, as kids, you sleep over your buddy's house Friday, Saturday, you know, you stay up right. late, watch TV right. or whatever, play games. Well, uh, for us, Friday night, we went to bed early. We didn't play no games because Saturday we knew his godfather was going to take us to the pit. Wow. Wow. So, so y'all guys just hung out at the house and, uh, and made sure y'all got to bed early because y'all knew y'all was going to be getting up early. Yeah, and that's just kind of where it started from right there. Ever since So, Rick, how old were you back then? I would say I was probably about 13 or 12, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of your first introduction to the game foul, huh? Right, yeah. 
That was the first time I've ever even seen anything like it. Wow. Was the first time you ever seen kind of like, and I ain't going to say seen roosters because we all see chickens and roosters and stuff like that growing up. But right. it, it, so this is basically like the first time you actually interacted with them. Yep. This is the first time I've ever seen anything like it. It just engulfed my whole life, changed my whole perspective on everything. And everything I ever wanted to do in life went put to the wayside because of these game fell I just engulfed it. It's, it's over. It's, that's all I want to do. <laughs> that's... <laughs> So you kind of fall into the same, uh, you get infected with the same passion uh, and desire that we all have when we get to have a, a deeper experience with these animals, um, not just on the surface, but really getting to interact with them. Um, so it does, it does definitely change your life a lot. So you're kind yeah. of going in strong, but you're out of New Mexico. So you, you have, um, and before we bring your mentor in, Tyler, in, because like I said, I want to kind of talk a little bit about you. Um, you got into it you know, at uh, 12, 13 years old through a friend of yours. Um, so, you know, how long was it before you start to have roosters at your own house? So that's part of the journey too, man. Uh, so me and uh, my best friend, Manuel, we didn't own roosters. His, his godfather did, or his Nino is what we call it here. Right, right. And so, uh, you know, little by little, I probably made three or four trips down to the pit. And in New Mexico, it was the last state to be legal. So this was all totally right. legal. Right. And so there was no overcast of a shadow on it or nothing like that. So my parents didn't have a right. problem with me going. And right. It was perfectly fine. So we, uh, I told my dad about it. I went, I went home, you know, one day and I just told him what we've been doing on the weekends and where we've been going and what I've been seeing. And it was, I was just ecstatic about it. And, uh, so my dad, uh, he just kind of like showed interest in it, but he didn't really know what direction to take me, you know, like, right. Is this something that a child should be getting into? Or is this something that's going to probably be banned and outlawed here pretty soon? And right. so, uh, he went out on a limb and he took me, he took me to the pit and while well, he went with me and, uh, the next day on Sunday, I woke him up. We woke up, you know, and we were, you know, having breakfast and stuff. And he, he was a different man too. <laughs> the game wow! So once he got infected with it, it it kind of changed him. So both y'all guys pretty much got into it at the same time, or maybe you, well, pretty much at the same time. You kind of got into it a little bit before him, exposed yeah. him into it, and he had the same reaction you did. Exactly. Yep. And then, uh, you know, wow, like a month went by or something like that. I don't exactly remember the time frame, but he had talked to some of his friends at, at work that were involved in Game Fell. And so, you know, as a kid, uh, you don't know much. You don't know the difference between breeds or nothing like that. You just want to have some, you know. And so right. I got, gifted, I got gifted a bird probably within that first year of going to these pits. And, right. uh, you know, as a kid – you feel like you got the best, and, and he's the best, and man, when I, my first chicken was terrible, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they're terrible now because you actually have seen some of the best, so you kind of know what the best looks like versus what you started with, huh? Oh, it, was, it was horrific, man. I don't even, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but we gotta st you got to start from somewhere, man. You can't come out the gate dropping a Ferrari. Yep, that's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this man so y'all guys get into it you know how long did it take uh you to convince your parents 
to have game foul at the house. I guess your father had started to take an interest in it. So how long did it take for them to start to, you know, be okay with you having some 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 game foul at the house? Well, like I said, it was like that first year, you know, a couple months after the, the pit and the, my dad's first experience at the pit. Um, and it was supposed to be a hen and a rooster, but you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. We ended mm-hmm. up from two to about eight. And then we went from like eight <laughs> to about ten. And then <laughs> now we're we're about it goes eight. on and on and on, right? Yeah. That is that is so funny, man, because it kind of, you know, it's not the same story as everybody else. Uh, but the part where you start off with a few and then you know, two, then three, and then yeah. you buy births from this guy because he looks like he's the best, and you buy this over here because he looks like he's the best, and then you look out back in the yard, you got a whole yard full of Skittles. Because you got yeah. some of the best, what you think is the best from the best, which is everybody at that time, especially when you're coming in, you so easily be impressed by stuff because you don't really understand what something should look like anyway. Yeah, you don't know the difference back then. <laughs> right, you don't know. <laughs> so you cut, you came in, man, and thought you was doing something, huh? Oh, man, I thought I was the best. I mean, but, uh, you know, that's kind of... That's what makes this like so intriguing to me is because um, there's not one way to go. Right. If there was a magic, you know, path and and this and that to success, everybody would be successful. Right. And uh, there's a lot of different ways to get success and and you know to win trophies or, or be on top. Right. There's right. Not just one right. cut path. And that's kind of right. what's cool is you can kind of put your spin on everything from breeds to maintenance of the yard, maintenance mm-hmm. of the feed. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just so much different directions you can go in this. Right, right. That that's exactly right, man. And and that is kind of what um what what is the amazing part about it is 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 many ways what they used to say back in the old way the old days a lot of ways to skin a cat. So basically, you coming in. You know, you've seen that it was a lot of, I'm pretty sure you've seen a lot of different ways to do the same thing, or at least to get the same result. And that kind of opened up your eyes saying, man, he does it this way, he does it that way, but both of them do pretty yeah. good. Um, that's actually a big, to me, that's a very important part of it, especially coming in. Um, and I think is one of the caveats of not being born into it, because mm-hmm. you have a little different perspective. You know, you come in and you get to see a whole bunch of different ways to do different things. Uh, versus sometimes when somebody's born into it, they kind of see the way that their family has already been doing it and probably been doing it with success. You know what I mean? So right. a lot of times no reason for them to kind of change is still working for them. Uh, but by you coming in new, I guess you had an opportunity to see a whole bunch of different people do things a whole bunch of different ways and kind of open your eyes so you know what is not one way to get something done. There's a whole bunch of different ways to get it done. You got to kind of put your own spin on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, like, back then, we didn't have the resources such as Journey to the Pit, you know, Uh, or even people who wanted to share any knowledge. Back then, it was like, you learn on your own, you learn the hard way, and if you ain't good enough, well, then next year, maybe you'll try harder. And, uh, man, did we learn the hard way. (laughs) And it it can be discouraging sometimes, huh? Oh, man, it's terrible. It is very discouraging. Very discouraging. Yeah, that, that's a conversation I have a lot of times with a lot of new guys. And I'm not going to say young because some people are older when they get into game foul, just such as your father. You know, he right. got into he was a lot older than you, uh, but he still was new to the sport. Um, 
And that, that's one, one of the things that I, we're really trying to focus on uh, with Journey to the Pit is to supply a resource with game fowl breeders so they don't get discouraged, so they have somewhere to come to get some good, unfiltered information from successful people um, on the same topics, but they get a variety of different ways to kind of get there. But I like to I like to know, you know, with guys like yourself coming into the sport, um, not having any background in the sport, you know, you kind of your first year was a tough year, which I'm assuming it was uh, because you had nothing to go on. Oh, yeah. The first five, five years was very tough years, man. <laughs> right. Right. You said five, not one. huh? Oh, man, that, was terrible. <laughs> that was a little too conservative, huh? That that's kind of what like I like really praised my dad for because okay. you know back then I'm a kid you know I'm a child I'm still in school I'm doing sports and I, I don't have money right. to be out there entering these derbies and stuff and my dad right. didn't know much about the sport but and he was never really uh, you know considered a wealthy well off guy he he worked right. construction till this day he still does concrete right and so. Uh, I really like give him all the credit for like taking mm-hmm. me to these derbies, putting all the money up, feeding the birds, right. and and like you know, really p- putting his foot down and trying to conquer something and accomplish something. Right. And so right. that's kind of what, like me and my dad's relationship is so close. Like wherever I go, my dad's probably there, and if he's not there, he's on the phone. He's calling me all day long. Right, right. And you know what, Rick? I'm gonna let you finish that. Let me bring Tyler in before he falls asleep down right. here. You know. <laughs> He laughing, he laughing now. Let me bring Tyler in, but Rick, we're going to finish off with you. We just going to bring Tyler in on the screen also too, um, just to make sure that. Um... What's up, Tyler? What's going on? Hey, brother. Listen, we're going to. Uh, 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 well, guys, y'all can kind of see on the screen Swift Creek Farms. That's Tyler Easterland. You know, I always call it the Easterland Dynasty because they've been rocking and rolling for decades, not not for seasons. For decades. So we're going to get into Tyler just a little bit in a minute. We're going to let Rex go ahead and finish off his story. And then Tyler, we can kind of talk with him. And then we'll both go ahead then and start to talk about, you know, how the program was for both of them. So, um, so Rex, go ahead and finish, man. You said with your father, you know, he kind of, you know, um, uh, stood strong with it and kept pushing, even though he didn't know much and didn't have much, but he just stuck it in there, huh? Yeah, and that's why, like I said, I give him all the credit in the world because, like, he didn't have to do that, you know what I mean? Like, right. we were struggling back then, believe it or not. We didn't have no money at all, you know. We were fighting birds out of the boxes right. in the back of the truck. We didn't have a cock house or nothing like that. So it was a, it was a little right. different back then. And now it's a little different now, you know. Whenever we go to shows, it's it's a different different level of stuff now that we're doing. Yeah, the whole different level. You have learned a lot and have came a long ways. And, and that's something that we're going to talk about in a minute, too, um, because we're going to talk about, you know, where your breeding program was prior to Journey to the Pit, entering a program. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, where where it ended. You know, where where is that? I ain't going to say where it ended, but where you are today. Um, so, guys, let me go ahead and uh, we're going to talk to Tyler for a second. Um, let me go ahead and say the disclaimer one more time since he's on the screen now. All information discussed in this interview is for historical, educational, entertainment purposes only. Uh, none of this information is intended for any illegal purposes, and all opinions are respected of the individual. So, Tyler Easterlin, brother, come on in here, man. And uh, we've been talking to Rick. I know we had you on standby. I see you down there putting a pillow on your head. You was ready to fall asleep. But... Uh, <laughs> 
I just want to go ahead, man. And, um, you know, a lot of the people that's watching know you. Um, a lot of people now watching know you. But let's just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. And, you know, obviously it's, it's going to partake in your family, too. But so we can kind of, you know, get a, get a little up there, a little background on you. Uh, my name's Tyler Easterlin. I'm a third Ooh. generation cocker with a co-owner operator of Swift Creek Game Farm. All righty, all righty. So that's third generation. So we know you've been in these birds since you've been a kid. So I don't have to ask you how old were you when you got into the roosters? You are, we already know how you got into the roosters, man. You was born into it. So Tyler, tell me something. Um, you know, obviously you came up in it when it was legal times, you know, because you was born into it. You came up when it was legal times. Uh, tell us who, when you say third generation, tell us who, you, you know, who was the generation before you and then before that one. Well, uh, if you go all the way back to the kingpin, that'd be Big Jim. That's my granddaddy. Okay. And he's been in it since I'd say he was 20, 25, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he brought dad, dad and Bobby into it. And then Okay. They and dad is who? Because they, they don't know who dad is. Me and you know who dad is, but they don't know who dad is. <laughs> that's, uh, Billy. Okay. So you got Billy Easterlin and Bobby Easterlin, right? Right. Gotcha, gotcha. So Big Jim started it all. You know, and I think a lot of guys in the game foul industry, they know who Big Jim is. Um, you know, they know who Big Jim is. Um, and again, I just kind of wanted to give them a little history of the other people that's uh that's in the crew. So so Tyler, tell me this. Um, you know, we talked to Rick a little bit about his program and how it was, how tough it was for him, you know, starting out. Uh when you growing up. Right. With you growing up, uh, did you, you know, obviously you kind of came up under your dad. Right. He kind of walked you through how things were. How was your farm when you was growing up versus the way it is today? Like in size and operation and all that kind of <clears throat> stuff. Well, one thing uh, and dad and Bobby always, you know, you have to update every once in a while. You know, whether it be this, doing this a little different or doing that a little different. But when I was growing up, up until around six or seven years ago, we had 30 or 40 and that's it. Wow. And now uh, I think we raised right around 700 last year. Wow. So you telling me y'all guys had a farm that small? Well, like 30 or 40? Oh, back when it was legal, we had uh, 35. That's how many stags we put on court. And bring 35. Them, and bring them through the molt. 35 roosts. Wow. They must have been 35 dynamites. They was pretty good ones. <laughs> you said they were pretty good ones. So, so basically, you said up until about five or six years ago, y'all didn't have the size farm that y'all, because y'all got a huge farm now. You said y'all did, y'all produced about 700 last year, right? Right. Wow. So that was a learning curve, I guess, for all of y'all, huh? Oh, yeah. You, you know, you went from raising this many to, you know, just got bigger, bigger, bigger by the year went on, and we are where we are now. And yeah, it was right. a, it was a learning curve as far as you know the the having to really vaccinate certain right. medicines and stuff, and right. it was 
it was a learning curve, and we still learn today. So that's right. what I think about it. Tell me this, Tyler. What was the biggest challenge? Well, first, you know, I guess depending on how fast y'all guys grew, you know, but what was the biggest challenge you seen from from thirty to seven hundred? You know, is it any kind of things that really hit y'all guys hard that kind of blindsided y'all to realize that wow, when you raise this many, you got to do certain things to totally different. Yeah, when you raise that many, you know, there's farms that raise a lot more than we do. But right. and and you've been here, you've seen it in uh, my incubator rooms, the brooder rooms. You know, I keep we keep strict records of what medicines right. they got, what they need to get, right. when the day is. I would say that was the the biggest thing about it. <clears throat> the biggest thing, and for some reason, this audio keep kicking in and out, and I don't know why. So basically, you know, it was y'all guys record keeping and the systems that y'all have with the incubators and the breeder rooms and the chicks and stuff like that. That was probably the biggest uh, challenge from 30 to 700. Right. So tell me this, who came up with the systems? Is it something that y'all guys kind of put your head together on or just taking bits and pieces from other people? Yeah, I would say a combination of all of it. <clears throat> Cause you know, back when, uh, you know, we had one incubator, one hatcher, two brooders. Right. And then as the years went over, you know, I got older. I wanted a few right. more. And right. it was this and that. And then, I, you know, we wanted right. to go to Mexico. And, you know, you just grew as the years went on and put your heads together and thought about plans and ways to right. do stuff maybe faster, easier. Right. And still doing it. So that, that is still doing it the right way. So that, that was huge. So, um, so tell me this, did y'all guys always use incubators back in the day? No, up until I would say 05, 06, I think it's when dad bought his first incubator. Okay. Okay. And y'all started with one. Now y'all got a whole, a whole trailer full of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I still run the original one that he bought. <laughs> you still do, huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, guys, I know um, everybody watching had a really good idea. You know, y'all guys got some feedback, you know, and uh, some history on Rec and on Tyler. So kind of what we'll do right now, we'll kind of shift gears and go into, you know, the uh, the 362 Journey to the Pit 362 program. Um, I'll kind of tell you a little bit of history. You know, um, I had interviewed Tyler before on Journey to the Pit. It was way back at the beginning. Um it was way back at the beginning is when I had a little, you know, Tyler, you was a little man in the corner, you know, when I was doing them interviews, the, the, the guest was the little person in the corner at the top of the screen. And, uh, and I was down here. So that's, that's back then, uh, when I did the interview, uh, with Tyler. So I had a really good idea of who Tyler was, what they was about. You know, I knew their family history, the success that they had in the industry as breeders. Um, so that's kind of how, how I knew, um, uh, Tyler. Rec was a friend of a friend, very good friend of mine, Mario Maldonado, um, which is a mutual friend of, uh, of me and Rec. And um, he both knew, you know, we both know him. He's a really, really good guy. I actually interviewed Mario uh, twice on Journey to the Pit. He's a young up and coming guy, also game fire breeder, very successful in his own right. He's out there in New Mexico also. So that's kind of how I ended up meeting uh, uh, Rec. But um, just to let you know, Rec, Mario 
who told me, he's like, listen, Jim, you know, I got a guy, I'm having him send you a bio, young guy, him and his dad, they're working really hard. They just need a helping hand. You know, they're dedicated. They're trying to do everything right, but they don't know. It's a lot of stuff that they don't know how to do. So uh, Rep went ahead and sent me over his bio, kind of told me something about him and his, um, you know, him and his father, and what they were doing. And just to let y'all know, he didn't get preferential treatment because at the beginning, it wasn't many people who really wanted to join the Journey to the Pit 362 program because, you know, for whatever reason that was. Well, um, so Rep ended up sending me the bio. He came on in. Um, I also asked Tyler. You know, he was more than happy to do. He told me, listen, Jim, whatever you need, whatever we can help you with, we hear his father said the same thing. His uncle said the same thing. So I was greatly appreciated of that, um, that they definitely was more than welcome uh, um, to help me out any way I could. So um, Tyler decided to be the one to um, jump in and be the mentor in the program. I brought Rec in, talked with him, talked with his dad, you know, seen his setup, read his bio. And I really thought he was going to be a very, very good candidate. Um, so, and I thought Tyler and Rec, kind of the same age, um, and, 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 and I felt as though that they can probably relate to each other, you know, um, a, a lot better. And I would think that Tyler would maybe have a little bit more patience, too, and kind of can relate to Rex. That's why I kind of paired them up together. And uh, I guess after this interview, y'all guys will see how that, how that worked out. I ain't going to pat myself on the back, but I'll, I'll <laughs> do it anyway. That's the person outside the screen pat me on the back. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, so, Rick, tell me this so we can start off on this. Um, when Mario mentioned a program to you or did you mention it to him? I never asked that question. Uh, it's kind of like both. It kind of came up in conversation, actually. Um, I had went to Mario's place because he's about two or three miles from me. Okay. And uh, that was around the time when you were posting about applicants you know, applying to the program and you were looking for right. students and mentors or whatever. And right. uh, I knew that he had knew you and you guys were, you know, buddies or whatever. Right. And it just kind of came up in conversation while I was there. And, right. Uh, I had said, uh, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Like, that would be something cool to be a part of, you know. And then he pulled out his phone and he tried to get a hold of you, and he was doing all this stuff, so it was kind of cool. Right. So, you know, Mario's a great guy for everything. He's done a lot for me as well. You right. Know, I'll never, right. you know, forget that. And uh, right. he's always he's always reached out a helping hand. Great guy. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is a great guy. And like I said, he spoke very highly of you and your father. Um, so that was good. So that's kind of how you got interested. So, Tyler, um, i like to ask you, what made you decide – you know, or what, what did it take for you to decide to want to help out and be a mentor in a program? Well, you ask us and, uh, you know, I thought about it and I thought it would be really nice to, uh, you know, try and help somebody out. Maybe they were mm -hmm. up and coming new to it, maybe mm -hmm. even been in it for a while. Maybe they could learn new right. things and ways right. to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I guess we went through and just to let y'all guys know, the journey to the pit was an eight week program. We came up with it. I had put out a topic for all, for all eight weeks. Um, so we can kind of keep on track. And, and I knew that the students were, were getting the bases. How did I come up with the eight topics? I came up with the eight topics, taking feedback, even from Tyler, you had gave me suggestions coming up, getting feedback. And what the goal was with these eight topics 
uh, which the first one was just the introduction, uh, was to make sure that we gave the students a solid base to work from. So we covered all the topics that we would need as a beginner coming in to give them a solid base. So after they had left graduated from the program, they would have what they need from breeding, chick care, bitty care, stag, brood selection. Those is all a part of the eight topics. So after you finish the program, you should have a really good understanding. If you did everything you were supposed to do, because in Rex notice, every week they had to turn in their notes. Um, and the reason why I had them turn in notes is one, I didn't want to waste the mentor's time. If the mentor was gracious enough to dedicate their time to this one person, I want to make sure we were not wasting their time. So I made sure that the students turned in, took notes and turned in homework every week. They screenshotted it and they sent it to me so I can look at what they went over uh, with their mentor. And they went over other stuff, but I just need to make sure that they went over that topic for that week. So, Rep, tell me how it was, you know, uh, y'all guys first week, which was the introduction. Um, how was it, man? How did you feel, you know, with first meeting Tyler, talking to him? First of all, did you know Tyler before the program? Put it that way. Uh, no, I, I didn't know Tyler per se, but I did know the Easterling name. Can you hear me? Okay, you did know the Easterling name? Yeah, I did hear the Easterling name, you know, throughout the Gamecock magazines and stuff like that. Right. But uh, I didn't know Tyler at all. You didn't know Tyler at all. So, and I'm pretty sure I, I, I don't need to ask Tyler if he knew you because you was just getting <laughs> into the sport. <laughs> so tell me this, man. How was y'all guys' first interaction? Uh, it was pretty full. It was pretty cool. It was, uh, was kind of funny because, you know, we're from two different parts of the country. So we, our, senses right. are, our senses of humor are a lot different. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Can we cuss on here? No, no, uh, we can't. <laughs> he called. He called me something, and, and I was like, "Oh no!" I said, "This guy just called me that because over here that ain't cool, you know. Uh, <laughs> over there, it's something they say all the time." Right, uh, right. You know, it, it turned out to be funny. We laughed and talked about it, whatever. But uh, the the first introduction was really cool, you know, real casual, uh, nothing too serious, just. Basic talking, right. and getting to know each other, really. Right, that's how it works. Right. Yeah, Tyler, can you hear me? I'm getting some feedback. Getting a little feedback. Tyler, can you hear me? Okay, good. So Tyler, Rec just to kind of explain, I know your audio might have messed up a little bit. Um, Tyler, uh, Rec kind of explained, you know, how his first interaction was when he met you. So just tell us, man, how you kind of, oh, go ahead, Rec. Hey, are we supposed to hear each other? Yeah, can, Tyler, uh, Tyler, can you hear Rec? Oh, I can't hear him either. No. You can't? Uh-uh. Wow. Do me a favor, guys. Um... I don't know why y'all guys can't hear each other, but what we can do is click off, off and, and click back. back on. Yes, on. click off and get back on. All righty, guys, just uh, give us a few minutes. We had some audio uh, difficulties. Um, the audio kind of went out. 
um, with the with the two guests that we have had on, but they're coming back in, so don't worry about it. So Tyler's gonna come back in now. Tyler, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. All right, so we'll just wait in. We'll just wait. Uh, Rec is gonna come back in uh, also in a second. So I don't know what that was all about, why the audio went out. But Rec kind of explained, man, how y'all guys. Um, here he is. Let me let me pull let me pull Rec in. All right. Turn your turn your camera. Mine is it sideways? Yeah, mine's sideways. Let me turn it. Well, you saw. You turn it the other way. Let's see what happened. Uh oh. Well, he gonna come on back in. You know, <laughs> like man, it's always something, dude. It's always something. But we gonna get him. Here you go. He's in. He's in. He's in. All right. He's coming back in now. All right. All right. Yeah, now I can see everybody and hear everybody. Yeah, see, I, okay, couldn't, good. I couldn't hear nothing Rick was saying. I was sitting over here like. Yeah, I, I can't you hear could. or see you either. Glad I was making All right, well, listen, man, we got everybody on. So, Tyler, what Rick was telling us, man, is his first, uh, you know, the first uh, encounter with you. Um, and obviously we can't cuss on the show due to the fact they get posted up to YouTube <laughs> and everything else. But <laughs> well, I, I don't do that, okay? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. <laughs> he said that y'all guys' sense of humor from where he comes from and where y'all guys are at of, you know, different parts of the country, he said the sense of humor was different. So he's like, man, when you called him that, he's like, what the, you know, like, what did that guy just call me? <laughs> he said it was comical, man, but he said after that, man, it was funny. Y'all guys laughed about it. So what was what was your first thoughts, man, when you had your first conversation with Rick? Well, you know, we kindly after it got going, I think we hit it off a little bit. So it kindly eased my mind about what was, you know, upcoming. Right, right, right. So, you know, we went through we went throughout the you know, the first week was just an introduction for y'all guys to kind of get to know each other. And um, y'all kind of felt that, hey, you know, through this first interaction, this looked like this is going to be cool. Um, Rec, tell me something before we go kind of in the details of the program. Uh, you know, what, what were your biggest challenges, um, in your program before you started? Um, probably just like <clears throat> the yard health, you know, the health of the flock and the health of the birds. Just, right. uh, uh, I want to say the nutrition just, uh, you know, being able to adjust okay. the feed according to the season or even, you know, the weather. Say we got some weather coming in, we can adjust the feed now. And back then we were just feeding scratch, you know, just what you buy at the feed store. Wow. Right. And uh, right. I right. So that... definitely the feed and the nutrition of the birds was kind of something that we didn't really know much about. It was like uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, even as far as like, uh, medications and vitamins and supplements and stuff like that. I didn't know much about. Didn't know much about it. So, so that's kind of, you know, when y'all guys did y'all first week of, of topics, you know, how long was y'all first conversation? Ah, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> how long, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> what, three hours? <laughs> first. <laughs> so the first conversation y'all guys had was three hours, huh? Three hours. It was like two hours and 48 minutes or something. 
Wow. Wow. So it was three. So tell me something. Was it all on one topic, man, or y'all guys kind of was all over the place? Well, we would start out on a topic. But then you get to thinking things come to, you know, roll it in your head and then you just go to. But then we would I would try to come back and, you know, kind of like go through all of what I just said. Right. So it wasn't too much at one time. You're sitting there like, you know, what did he just I didn't understand none of that. So right. I'd go over a right. bunch of stuff and I'd come back and say, this is why you do this or this is how we do that. You know. Right. So y'all kind of, like you say, you, you, you started off with the topic, kind of veer off on other things that's probably topic related, but not just exactly on a topic. And then you pretty much just come back and do like a recap to make sure that he's getting all the points that you want to make, you know, in, in, in that topic, huh? Right. So tell me this, Tyler. So so how did you how did you feel when when Rec, obviously you asked him what they had been doing, you know? How did you feel about it, about what he was doing? Did, did you automatically know, oh, this guy can, I can definitely, you know, we can definitely make some adjustments to kind of get to where he need to go? And that's what I told him the first conversation we had, the first real conversation we had. Right. You know, I was like, look, buddy, I'm going to try to help you out the best I can. But right. if you're not going to listen to me and at right. least try some of the things that I'm telling you, then, you know, there's no reason in you even talking to me. Right. But, right. you know, he told me, what you know, how they did things and what was going right. on and what was happening. And, yeah, I thought that I could, you know, with the knowledge of me and Dad and Bobby and everybody, I thought that we mm-hmm. could really help him out. That's right. That's right. So so tell me something, uh, Rick. You know, uh, after that first conversation, um, first of all, because I know you and your dad is a team, just saying with Tyler, Tyler, and his father, uh, was your father involved in these conversations or was he in the you know, same place or is it something you just conveyed to him after you had a chance to talk to Tyler? No, my dad wasn't around at all for the conversations or even like involved. He did like want me to ask him certain things and stuff like that. But I was me and my dad kind of butted heads about that, too, because. I didn't want to introduce something um, like randomly, you know, I wanted to kind of stay in the schedule and uh, let it come about organically. That way, if it does fit in a place in a timeline, then I know where to put it in. But if I just ask something totally off topic, then I would kind of confuse myself a little bit. Right, right, right. So tell me this, Rick. So with y'all guys' conversations, obviously you turn to your notes every week, but what type of strategy did you use to make sure or or to at least help you retain the information? Because you don't know if you're going to be talking to Tyler after this, you know, after the the, the finish of the course. So what did you kind of do to make sure you retain this information? Oh, well, first of all, I wrote down my notes for sure. You know, first thing um, I would, I would probably bug Tyler because I would stop him in the middle of his, his, you know, his, what he was saying. And, uh, and kind of have him repeat himself so I could keep up with my notes. And then also I set up a camera behind me to record the whole uh, phone conversation or video chat. Wow. So y'all guys, so y'all guys didn't do a phone call. Y'all guys basically did a video chat, huh? Yeah, it was a video chat pretty much every time. Wow. So y'all guys video chatted through the whole program. Okay. Well, that's, 
Man, that's awesome, man. And, and I'm sure um, some of the other students, they didn't do the video chat. They did phone calls, but that's good. So you basically set up a camera so you can kind of record what y'all guys were talking about. Yeah, and then, like, now I still go back into that old camera and I'll rewind it. And I have uh, bullet points in my notes with little time slots. Where right. There was, where there was something that I knew I needed to remember or that I needed to bullet point. And so I will find that time on the film and then I'll relate it to my notes and then it'll like fill in the blank and remind me. That's a very, very good, man. That's a good strategy. So basically what you did was to make it even more, make your notes even more effective. You knew you was recording it and you will put in timelines on your notes saying, okay, this is at three twelve. He said this at, you know, at, at, at 39 minutes and 14 seconds. This one, we talked about this, this way you can go back to the video and kind of look at those, you can fast forward to those timelines and hear what Tyler was telling you. Yep, that's exactly right. And it, it's been freaking crazy. It's like, so it's a valuable, I could sell that video. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Tyler give you authorization for that. Hey, but the glory thing about it is with 362 being nothing about doing anything illegal, you know, that's the glory part about it. You know, for any for any of the watchers, uh, for any of the viewers that's, that's viewing and, and want to know what the 362 is, is based on a history of, uh, of, of you know, back in the day, um, uh, the whole game foul, uh, showing bursts and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's 365 days in a year. I called the program 362 days because I just thought that it was way too much emphasis on the last three days which they focused on a lot. And you hear a lot of talk about on social media and stuff like that over the last, you know, decade or so. And before social media, that's all guys would talk about was the last three days. Well, my perceptive, my perception of it was it ain't really the last three is the first 362. If you don't have the first 362 days, right. Then the last three days don't even matter. And I, and I just believe and this again, this is just my opinion. My perspective on game foul breeding is what carries this sport and these animals is what's done in the 362 days. Because that's when the biddies are there. That's when you're making brood selection. That's when you're buying brood stock. That's when you're raising. That's when you determine what to feed, what medication, what All of that is determined in the 362 days. So that is actually the backbone of the sport. What happens in the 362 days and not the last three? So that's the reason why with this program, I let all the mentors know and all the students know that we do not discuss anything illegal in this program. You know, I told the mentors, to ask anything illegal, don't answer it. Stick to the topics. None of the topics about anything illegal. It's all about game foul breeding and what we need to do to carry these birds on for generations to come. I don't want any talking about fighting, tying, tying weapons, none of that. Because again, social media is full of all that mess. They can find that mess from somewhere else. They don't need to enter this program for that. They need to enter this program for the meat and bones of the, you know, the meat and potatoes of, of what it's all about. So with saying that, and I'm only saying that, guys, because some of the people watching this have never seen this before, you know, because it'll be posted to YouTube and also to the podcast. So I just want to kind of get that out there. So when Rex said that he was recording it, Understand that Tyler wasn't telling him anything illegal. Everything he was telling him was perfectly legal altogether. Um, so Tyler, uh, Rick, that was a very good way. And I suggest that to other students and in classes to come. If you can, 
Try to record the conversations because you shouldn't be discussing anything illegal anyway. And put those bullet points by the timeline that, that you had in that video. I mean, that's a very good idea. Um, this way you can always go back and save those for your records um, and don't have to worry about, you know, you know, incriminating yourself or anything, because, again, you're not talking about anything illegal. So you still look at those videos today of the conversation that y'all talked about back then at the beginning of the program? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, you know how you don't have like service on the airplanes and stuff. Right. And so what I'll do is I transfer them to my own, my old iPhone six. And, uh, what I do every time I go to visit him, I'll watch him. <laughs> wow. Just wow. to like, re refresh my memory. And, and if, if I have anything that I want to cover when I get there, that's what we do. That's what you do. So, Tyler, tell me this, man. What, what was your approach? You know, um, uh, you made it clear to, to wreck kind of what your standards were. You know, at least try what I'm trying to tell you. Um, if you're not going to do that, there ain't no need for us to discuss it because you're not going to waste eight weeks of your time uh, talking to somebody who want to do stuff his way but want to call you his mentor. Right, and we went over, uh, you know, it's just like I told him, <clears throat> you know, I've got me plus two generations of experience. Right. And we don't we don't know it all. Nobody does. Right. You know, you learn right. something new every day, but we, we know a lot. Right. And I thought, you know, that we could help him a lot. Right. So, 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 you know, um, is there any particular way or any suggestions that you have? Or just because answer this question first. Was this the first time you actually directly mentored somebody? Because I'm pretty sure you get a lot of phone calls throughout the week about bits and pieces of this and that and this and that. Yeah, you know, we get phone calls all the time, texts, you know, hey, what do you do for a snotty nose? Or, hey, what do you do for, you know, this or that? But this is the first time that I've ever said, hey, you know, it's kind of like a school teacher. You've got to mm -hmm. set up. You've got to, you know, week by week and go over things. Right. So, yes, this right. is the first time that I'd ever done that. Right, right. So you was kind of learning how to be a direct mentor or a coach. I kind of call it like a coach yeah. uh, uh, the first time, huh? Yeah, I've got a notebook full of notes over here. I'd be sitting here. You know, just jotting things down. Hey, we need to go over this, or we need to do this, or I need to show him this. Right. So yeah, it was more like a, like a coach, I would say. Right, right. So tell me this, Tyler. Did you ever go back to Dad to ask him about some topics that maybe you and Rick talked about, or, or anything like that? Yeah, me and Dad and Bobby every evening, around six thirty or seven o'clock. Bobby always comes to the house and we drink coffee. Almost every right. evening, if we're all here on the dirt road. And, uh, right. yeah, we sat there and discussed several things that, you know, that we were up and coming, we're fixing to talk about, or that we talked about, and I might need to recover something. Right. So we're a, we're a tight-knit group. That's awesome, man. So, Rep, did you know that all that was going on behind the scenes? Uh, no, not at the time, but now that I've been over there a couple of times, they do have coffee every <laughs> evening. <laughs> So you know how it rolls now because you don't you know been over there enough. So so as y'all guys are going through this program, you know, Rec, did you feel as though, you know, as you was going week to week, you know, did you really feel as though it was making a huge impact on you? 
Oh yeah, definitely was. I had my wheels spinning there for a couple of weeks, man. I I just did. I was questioning everything I thought I knew. Right. And so it was definitely like a mental battle too, because I wanted to try new things and I was terrified to try them at the same time, you know, because we had finally got to a point to where we were pretty successful in what we were doing, me and dad. Right. And uh, to kind of just like put that to the side and try something new was a little scary, but. Uh, you know, my dad told me that I, you know, he trusts me and my decision making and that he'll support it either way. So now we're totally pretty much doing everything Swift Creek style. <laughs> wow. But, you know, that's that's awesome. No, but Rick, I mean, I think you brought up some very extremely invalid and important points that I think is overlooked a lot of times is is what you just said. The fact that y'all breeding program from your perspective was doing good. Y'all had finally got to a point where y'all were happy with y'all results of the birds that y'all were producing. And then Tyler steps in, you start the mentor program. Then Tyler steps into the picture and say, Hey, hold on, pump your brakes. I'm going to tell you stuff, but if you do not try it now, how does guy click off the screen? Man, this guy here is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> it's got all over the place, man. But, so, so basically Tyler steps into the scene, um, tells you, Hey, listen, Rhett, you know, if I'm going to be your mentor, you got to try this stuff that I'm telling you to try. You sit back saying, I mean, I, I joined a program so I can learn more. But this guy trying to tell me to flip. Was it a drastic change from what you was doing to what he wanted you to try? Man, Jim, if I were to send you some pictures of my birds from two years ago. And right. A picture of the, the stags I've raised this last season. You would think it's in totally different climates and different parts of the world. Wow, it was that much of a difference, huh? Yeah, it's black and white. <laughs> wow. Then, you know, I pitch a bird on the floor. And he looked just like any other bird. Now I pitch a bird on the floor and it looks like new money. Everybody knows that that's a good raised rooster, a good bread rooster. And uh, they're... Wow. Way different, huh? Totally new Let me money. bring in Tyler. <laughs> he clicked out. He clicked out for a second. Let me bring him back in, man. That's the Alabama style uh, uh, internet out there. <laughs> Tyler, roll over here, man. What's up? <laughs> so listen, man. I had asked. I had asked Rick. You know, um, uh, with him, and like I say, man, that had to be difficult, Rick, for y'all guys to work what four, five, six, seven years or something like that to kind of get to where y'all were and uh, comfortable with the results that of the birds that y'all were producing. And then Tyler steps into the picture and say, hold on. If you want to be a student, you will have to listen to what I say and at least try it, you know, and, and, and Rec was saying that it was like black and white. It was like night and day compared to what you was telling him to what he was doing. He was kind of on a fence about even if he wanted to try it, but he had to overcome that. And it goes back to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. At one time, Rex, you thought it wasn't broke, huh? Nah, definitely not, especially after the season we had last year. <laughs> <laughs> See, so basically, <laughs> right, so basically you go from, oh, I'm good. My birds are looking like that. I want them to look. You tell your dad, okay, we got it now. You know, we struggled for the first five years, but we got the formula now. Our birds are coming out the way we want. Then you meet Tyler. And the next season after that, you said the birds are like night and day, huh? Compared to what right. they look like today versus what they look like when you thought when you thought it wasn't broke, but it was uh, broke. 
Oh, yeah, it's night and day. Now the stags feel like two-year-old cocks, healthy as can be. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And you said you pretty much following a whole program from what Swift Creek is doing. You guys, you, you implemented all of that stuff into your program, and you've seen the definite effects of it. Pretty much everything, even down to, like, dubbing dates. We dub on the same day almost, or at least the same two, three days that they give us. Um the feed and water regimen has changed. The brood pins have changed. Uh, I got wow. biddies on the floor in February. That's never happened over here. Um, we usually don't get Say that biddies. again. You, you conked out. You said what you had in February? I was able to put biddies on the floor in February. Wow. Um, due to, you know, the health and the care and the, the change in facility. Um, we never don't get no biddies until about June, usually. What? And, that and you said you had some on the floor in February, huh? February, yep. We hatched our first bit batch. And another thing, I incubated all those babies. <laughs> That's never been done here. We always hen hatched. So this time you started an incubator. We got an incubator and I, you know, first run, first try. So what was your success rate, your first try with the incubator? So I started off fully packed with 42 is the one that I got. That's what all it holds. Um, right. I candled them after the first week, and some of them were very old, you know, over two or three weeks old. So I kind of had right. a feeling th those were going to be successful. And so I took that one on the chin, and I think I ended up setting about 20 – or no, 31, and I hatched 28. Wow. And your first time using the incubator. First time ever. <laughs> so so you basically use the incubator under the instruction of Swift Creek. That's exactly right. Yep. Every day I was. Wow. And, and just 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 know that these guys are in two different climates. These guys are in to two totally. I mean, completely different climates. You know, Alabama is full of water. They 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 take boats to work. And then uh, <laughs> over there and uh, <laughs> over there in New Mexico, man, that's cactus land. You know, it's so well, actually it's all kinds of snow, dry desert. You know, did somebody skin on a mountain and they land in the Sahara Desert? You know, that's all over the place <laughs> out there in, in Albuquerque. But um, so two totally different climates, two to, uh, two different parts of the country, and uh, you was able to use their system not only just in the incubator, but for the bitty program, the stag program. The feed original. Are you feeding just like they feed? Same exact thing. Wow, wow. Same at that, and it, and it's working for you in Albuquerque. Yep, definitely is. Um, I've never seen the birds look this healthy. So there's something going on that that's doing them right. <laughs> hey, I think. Hey, hey, Rick. Your dad said, "Don't leave the cage door open." I don't know what that is. What he mean by that? Oh yeah, man. Oh, <laughs> this morning, this morning, I went out to feed the birds, and I live about two, three miles from my dad. Right. I went, I went and uh, we got some birds in the fly pins, and one of the cage doors was open. And I called him this morning. I said, hey, is there a reason that you left this cage open, and what's going on with this? And he's like, oh, I don't no, I didn't mess with them yesterday. You and your little brother were out there. Well, comes to find out he did open it and he forgot to close it so this morning we could have been bad wow <laughs> wow 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 
<laughs> so so he did leave the cage door open, huh? Yeah, my dad was out there late, late last night, and I guess he forgot to close the pin. Wow, well, that was a situation <laughs> that could have happened, but but good thing that it didn't happen. Yeah. So so tell me so tell me this. So y'all guys, obviously, you know, you have spoken said that the birds are a thousand times different. It's like you said, night and day compared to what you what your birds were to what they are now. Um, how long throughout the program did it take you to start kind of seeing a difference in the birds? The program was eight weeks long. Did you see any difference in the birds during the eight weeks time? To be honest, I the biggest changes during the program uh, was probably my record keeping and you know the, the I guess like the late the late stages of the biddy care because at the time I had mm -hmm. two or three month old biddies so I kind of started with them okay. from there. But um, okay, you know the birds before that are obviously a little like two or three years old, so those were right. kind of. It was in the molt, I even I believe. So it was kind of hard already on them. So we didn't see too much of a right. change in those, but in the biddies for sure. For sure. So so that was great because you kind of started the program when you had some little biddies. Now yeah. you see how they turned out. That's that's really good because you had an opportunity kind of right away to implement the program and then see the results in the same season, basically. Start to right. see how they would look at, as, as stags. Right. Actually, we did see a result in the in the roosters because we fed the soaked oats and stuff during the molt. We never did that before, and that that helped them push out some feathers a little quicker for us, and they got you know a little bit right. less stress on them. Right, right. So we did implement. So that. Tyler, tell me something. Where were you? Is it you know what were you doing, or did were you really when you was having these conversation with Rex? Uh, were you kind of checking to see if he was paying attention or if he was kind of implementing that stuff that you were talking about, or was he just half listening? <laughs> well, I'll, to go back to a point you just hit a minute ago, the thing that had me worried, especially with Rick, is we we're in two different climates. So mm -hmm. you know, I was worried maybe some of the stuff that I do here wouldn't work out there because of the different climates, but obviously – it's kind of the same result, <clears throat> but uh, Rick, Rick would send me videos of things they were doing out in the yard, changing things, mm -hmm. you know, different ways that mm -hmm. they were trying to trying to implement some of what I was telling him. So I thought that that was that was pretty cool. Right, right, right. So, so Rick, tell me this: with your father also being involved, um, you making obviously some drastic changes. Did did you know? How how did you kind of deal with that? Uh, so, uh, man, it was like pulling teeth from dad to tell him to knock down all those old pins, and we still got about a dozen more to knock down. Right. These ones are, these ones are taking the longest because these are the fly pins that he loves, you know. He's used them for right. years. and uh, But now that he's seen the new setup and stuff, he's really, like, digging it, and he, he enjoys it. Like, we enjoy right. our time out there now, you know. The yard's beautiful. Right. Like, you can go out there and, like, have a good day. It's not just work. Right, right, right. And, that uh, is amazing. So, but, yeah, so, so hard, tell me this. So, we, a whole new transition, huh? Yeah. And your setup, did you just, um, was it suggestions that you took from Tyler to make adjustments to your setup or? 
It was kind of just, uh, well, yeah, obviously it was suggestions from Tyler, but also we were at a point to where all of our pins were built out of, of lumber, you know, wood and, and chicken mm-hmm. wire. And mm-hmm. um, it's a hard summer out here for us. Right. It's very hot and hard on the birds. So what one thing that we and my dad had thought about was getting the Mexican-style fly pins. And mm-hmm. those are all those are all wire. So we built them. I think we got about forty up now, and they're all mm-hmm. under a shade structure. Um, not necessarily a building, but just a structure that has a roof over it. And uh, now the pins are not bearing weight, so that the roof is actually right. off of the pin, but they're under right. shade and, and out of the rain and out of the elements now. Right. Wow. So a bit wow. Wow. A little bit of both, kind of like you had to kind of get your, your setup change and a little bit of suggestion. Tell me this, um, and I don't want to jump too far ahead of the story, so we can kind of recap. You know, you make some adjustments to your program, kind of had biddies on the ground, you know, uh, when you first started the program. Um, you used the incubator first for the first time as a result of the program, and obviously you have had a lot of success, well, at least with your first hatching, 28 out of 31. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, you have also seen a dramatic change from the, the the result of your birds prior to the program to the way they look today after the program. And you got a really good result. I mean, a really good opportunity to see the result because you started these ones out as biddies at the beginning of the program. So you kind of seen what you have learned. You was able to put into work right away. Um, so as y'all guys are going along through the program, Obviously, y'all guys they are starting to talk once a week, a couple times a week. How does the relationship start to grow as y'all guys are moving through this program? You want to answer that, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> we talk at a minimum, I would say, four times a week. Now, wow. what were we were we hitting subjects every time we talk? No, we'd actually just call to, you know, shoot the crap. Right. Oh. But uh, okay, it was, I would say, at least four times a week we were talking, and then probably three we were actually serious discussing things and sending videos right. and pictures back and forth of, you know, so he could see how we done stuff, and he, you know, he was showing me how he was doing things and how they were trying mm-hmm. to you know, do different things. So I would say it was, we talked a lot. Talked a lot. So Tyler, were you, were you starting to see improvements? Yeah. After I would say after the first five or six weeks, I think after he gained confidence and said, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe we do need to try these things. Uh, you could tell when he was sending me videos of his babies running around and, uh, roosters right. coming through the mold, you could see you could see the difference coming. You know, and just like I told right. him, you know, a lot of this stuff that I'm telling you, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. You right. Know, it might take a couple of months for you to see it down the road, but I bet you'll see it. Right. And now I'm thinking, right. you know, I think, well, you, you guys come in October, I think he was really starting to get it. You know, he's saying, hey, you know, he's telling me right. So he really started to get the hang of it and started to see the results of it, huh? So, so 
as we go through the program, uh, we kind of get into, you know, like you say, we came out there in October, which was, what was it? It was October, right? Yeah, it was October. It was around yeah, Gators Barbecue. Yeah, around Gators Barbecue. Rep, was that the first time uh, you was out at Swift Creek? Yeah, first time ever, even on that side of the country. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. So how did it get to that, man? Did, I, I, obviously, y'all guys have built a relationship over time, and then he invited you out. You going out there um, for the first time back in October. Um, what was your thoughts, man, when you got out there? I'm pretty sure you've seen a lot of videos and stuff like that, you know, of the place before you got out there. But what was your thoughts, man, when you got out there? Um, I was blown away by the size of his facilities and how clean it was. And then, uh, right. you know, obviously the quality of the birds was something I never seen. Right. And then, uh, right. And you came out uh, there with your dad, which was great too. Yeah, I brought my dad along because I wanted him to see it firsthand as well, you know, and that way he could solidify everything right. that we've been doing, and that he can really like see it in 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 the flesh, you know. Right. Right. That's exactly right. So, you, and then that's funny because I think you got out there a day or two before I did. Um, so you got out there, you got firsthand. Uh, what was the purpose of your trip? Just to kind of go out there and just see the facility or go out there and get hands on? You know, what what was a what did you have in mind or was it or did you have anything in mind when you went out there to make that trip? To be honest, I didn't even know uh Tyler was in Alabama. Originally what we were gonna do is just go with Mario down to the Gator barbecue thing. And okay. uh, that's that's something my dad had kinda always wanted to go check out. And so uh we had planned on doing that, and then I found out he was in Alabama, so I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. We'll go with him and then uh, get to see everything and then go to the barbecue. Right, right. So it just kind of right, worked out. Right, So that's kind of how that's kind of how it all worked out. How, how, Y'all stayed up there about a week, right? About five days or something or four days? Uh, I think it was like four days. Four days, man. So I know I came out there. I ended up uh, spending a couple days out there with y'all guys. Um, it, it, it was a pleasure. And it was. A, I think it was a great – I think we live streamed and posted some videos and stuff like that when we was out there. We all had a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was actually my first time – yeah, it was my first time at Swift Creek also. Right, yeah. Tyler? Yeah, it was my first time. It was my first time. Yeah, my first time there. Um, no, 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 no. I think I had been there prior to, yeah, wait yeah, yeah, the year before. Right. But you didn't, you didn't actually come up, you know what I mean? We didn't go around. Right. I didn't spend it. time at the farm. That's exactly right. I was out there on a dirt road, but I didn't actually get to spend time at the farm. Um, right. and that, that weekend that you went out was the first time I actually stayed at the farm and got to kind of see the whole gist of everything. And listen, man, I have been to a lot of farms, big and small, and I'm always amazed, man. And I had told y'all guys there, you know, I'm always amazed at these facilities. Um, and again, I have been a big, small and medium, but I'm amazed at these facilities, the size that they are, the systems that they have in place, but the amount of work, man. I always say, I don't want no farm that big, man. That's too much work, man. I mean, it's a lot of, lot of work, man. It's an all-day task. Like, you got to do seven days a week, no matter how bad the weather is. 
You're out there seven days a week. Bad weather, you know, rain, freezing cold, riding up and down on them buggies. I mean, golf carts, what y'all call them golf carts. I call them buggies. You know, that, <laughs> it's, it's just a lot of work, man. But so, 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 Rick, tell me this. That was your first time out there. How many times have you been out there since then? Uh, three or four. <laughs> once a month. <laughs> once a month. Once a month. So now you're going out there uh, once a month um, and spending time. You spend about a week out there a month, which is great, man. I think that's extremely <laughs> awesome, man. Um, you know, what, what, what made you start wanting to do that? Um, just to really like, uh, gain more knowledge and hands on because you can only mm -hmm. get so much out of like, you know, a video chat or, or even like mm -hmm. your notes and stuff. So I kind of wanted to go and shadow him doing the things that we've talked about. And, uh, this right. last trip was actually super, super inf informational for me because, he is dealing with ah damn how much videos you got now two thousand three thousand videos <laughs> I think me and Junior got about fifteen hundred. See, so that's great for me to go out there because, like I said, I just hatched my videos and uh, to see the care and and like you know the vitamin regimen and the feed regimen and the water regimen, right? Everything right. that he's doing, I was really good to see in person, and then I can right. relate it to my notes and everything that we've talked about. Right, because I know I stayed out there this weekend. Uh, well, not this past weekend, weekend before with you. And you're right, man. You get to, you really get to get your hands that hands-on experience. But I see that Tyler have you out there working. You just ain't shadowing. He actually have you out there working. You probably trying to take a little slack off himself. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah, that's one thing about Tyler. Like he will tell me, like, oh, you don't have to do it. You know, you could, you just you're on vacation, right. chill, like. Right, but I, I enjoy it. I enjoy that. Like I, right. I embrace that work now. Um, that's something that like I take pride in that now. Especially when I come back right. home, I, I the, right. the temperature used to bug me. I'm like, oh man, it's right. cold. I gotta go bust ice. But now I'm like, let's go bust some ice. Let's do this. Yep, that's it's right, cool. man. So it it actually changed your whole perspective on your own program in your own yard, huh? Entirely, yeah. <laughs> You take a lot of and, and you know what, man? And, and I, I'll be honest, man. I suggest everybody in Gamefowl to have an opportunity to visit multiple size yards, not just the size that you think that you want, but actually, you know, visit multiple size because you can learn something from every different size operation, man. Um, you know, I learned something out there. I mean, from being out the Gators, seeing their operation, Tyler's operation. And being out the Tammy Shives, I mean, those these operations are phenomenal to me. You know, the programs that they run, how they got to set things up, how they keep things so clean, well organized, their record keeping. You can learn a lot from those big places that you can actually implement on a smaller farm. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think that's one of the keys. And I encourage anybody, man, if you have an opportunity to go out here and shadow or either spend a day at some of these big places, definitely go out there because there's a lot of stuff that they have learned how to do to make it very efficient. Because the more birds you have, the more efficient your system has to be because you got that many more birds that you have to take care of. So you got to find the most efficient way to water, the most efficient way to feed, the most efficient way to move pens. 
the most efficient way to vaccinate, vitamin, or whatever the case is, that's what I have learned from the smaller farms to the bigger farms. Those big farms have came up with the most efficient way to run their farm. They're not telling, you know, somebody's run their farm, but they uh, farm their self. They've came up with a lot of little tricks and ways and systems that they have in place to make it the most efficient way possible, man, because I knew to keep those farms that clean, that organized, and for those birds to be that healthy, they got to be doing something right. And that's why I was like, I need to spend a day here because I want to see what they go, what they doing. <laughs> like, how do they have these birds looking as good? You know, how is all these water bowls clean like this? How is this feed so clean? How is the pen so clean? You know, I it, I was amazed, and that's why I wanted to stay. All the places I went, you know, I stayed a couple of days because I want to see what's going on behind the scenes. Like, how do you do this? Because I had went to yards that only had twenty birds, and it was just like you had to change your clothes when you left there. You know, because the place is <laughs> so ratchet. I'm like, what the heck? This place is filthy. But again, it's a lot of stuff that the little guy can learn instead of criticizing the big farms. It's a lot of stuff that they can learn and embrace and make their life a heck of a lot easier on a smaller scale, on a smaller scale. Because I can tell you, you can take somebody from a big farm and drop them on a little farm and they'll know exactly how to run it. It won't be nothing. I can take Tyler off his farm and give him a farm with only 30 birds and he can run that thing with his eyes closed. Now, let me take the guy on a farm with the 30 birds and throw him out to the Swift Creek. Half them birds be dead in five months or looking on, they be half dead. Water bowls be nasty and everything be falling apart. So that just gives you an idea that these guys, especially ain't nobody walk into no 5,000 bird operation, but these guys have learned a lot coming up through the trenches, a lot of efficient ways, you know, to take care of these birds that they can kind of apply back to the, to the smaller farm. What you was going to say, Tyler? And most farms ain't got a junior. That's right. Well, yeah, you yeah, you got that right. <laughs> and, 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 and I will let you know for the record, you ain't even a junior. <laughs> hey, no. junior. You ain't even a junior. They don't make too many juniors. I tell you that right now. That dude there is a man, that dude's there is a beast, man, on that farm. That dude work, 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 man. If it wasn't for junior, I wouldn't have but about 40. <laughs> You said four. <laughs> well, I tell you what, he keep that thing in order, don't he? Oh yeah. But I tell you what, man. It, 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 it's all it, in teamwork. Go ahead, Tyler. You know, I'm a. It's all in teamwork because I work a forty-hour right. job just like everybody else. So Junior's right. at home every day, and I'm kindly, you know, while I'm at work, I'm behind the scenes, and Junior's right. at home. You know what I mean? And then Friday, right. Saturday, Sunday. It's me and Junior. You right. know, Dad, Dad and Bobby, kind of the captains of it. But it's right. You know, that's and it's like a team, right? You know, we we know we got to do it, so we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's just uh, it's a great way to operate when you can operate like that. You know, it's not like your employees. Right. You know, it's just family getting out there doing what they love to do and knowing what's got to be done. 
Tyler, you might got to move to your old spot, man, because that reception was better where you was at. Yeah. I was trying to charge my phone. You hear me? Oh, you charging your phone? I told him to have his phone charged, man. (laughs) (laughs) Told this guy to have his phone charged. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yeah, where you was at, man, early, man, was perfect, man. What about now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I, I can hear you. The, the video ain't that clear, but I guess it might kick back in. Good now. You got it. Yeah, we good. We we yeah because the audio was horrible over there in that every kind. I know you was comfortable, but we couldn't yeah, we couldn't yeah. hear you. <laughs> but anyway, so listen, guys. So yeah, go ahead. go ahead. You know, it's easier when it's it's teamwork. Right. And everybody's together. That's what mm-hmm. I was trying to, you know, explain. And that's mm-hmm. how the farm runs so smooth. Right. You know, you don't have me and dad button heads about this or dad and junior button heads about this. It's, hey, it's whatever. Right. You know. Right. So I would it, say it, that's it all how, works out. Yeah. That's how we stay, you know, smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like y'all kind of have it. Y'all have it in, uh, you know, and how long, how long has Junior been with y'all? I mean, because he run that farm, man. I mean, he's out there, dude. He's extremely efficient. Not only is he hard working, but he's very efficient. And it looks like he knows exactly what he's doing, man. How long has he been working out there? I want to oh, say. part of the family. I ain't going to say working out there, but just a part of the family out there. He started working with dad, I want to say, when he's 16 and he's 32. When he was, how much, 15? 15 or 16. Wow. So he's been here a wow. long time. And then, you know, he he worked for dad for, you know, a few years before he really, you know, I think they went some, we went to Louisiana or somewhere one time and he kind of got hooked on it. And he's been there ever since, every day. Wow. 15 years. Your mama say, Miss Easton said 15 years. Yep. That's what it's been. Yeah. That dude there is, uh, he's getting it in, man. He's is is very impressive um, to see the work that he puts in. Um, but what what's also amazing is the attitude towards the farm is the same no matter who you sit down and talk to. You, Dad, Bobby, you know it, the attitude's the same. You know what I mean? Everybody is all working in sync. Everybody knows where everything's at. You know, um, it, it is amazing. I think to me, and I don't know how it is for you, Rick, but it's kind of inspiring. To see an operation that size, to see a team like that, it, it makes you know that it is possible. It might not, it might be hard to build a team like that, but it is possible because it is teams out there that work like that. Um, but but to me, it was inspiring. How about you, Rick? Yeah, definitely inspiring. Um, for me, it's just me, my dad, and my little brother. But my little brother's not here full time; he lives out of town. Right. But uh, right. so me and my dad have kind of run the situation that we have here. But I, I aspire to be as open communicating as Tyler and his team and his family. Right. And so right. Uh, me and my dad try to get together every evening as well to try and talk right. about things that we're trying to implement or things that need to get done. Right. And then uh, – but back at Swift Creek, like he said earlier, they all get together and have coffee or, you know, hang out at mm-hmm. his mom's house every night. And yep. that's where I noticed they kind of start brainstorming on what they want to do or what needs to get done or – 
what's yep. looking better, what's not, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. And uh, that's pretty. That's a pretty cool thing to sit in, actually, and just be a fly on the wall, actually. Right. I won't, say, I won't say anything, and they think I'm just there looking at the wall, but I'm actually my will just soaking it all in. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing, man. To sit there and have that type of rapport with everybody out there on the dirt road, man. Sit in there, have coffee, talk about different things, man. And, and you know, it's like unintended conversation. You know what I mean? It's like they get to talking about all kinds of stuff. You know, especially all bird related, but. It's just amazing to be able to sit there and be listening to those kind of conversations, the kind of stuff that get thrown around. So tell me this, um, Breck, for the people who don't know, whatever, you know, going through the program, did you end up acquiring any of the Swift Creek, you know, birds? And, and if you did, what did you like about them and all that kind of stuff? Man, I got so much Swift Creek stuff. It's the whole brood pins are Swift Creek. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> They're an infiltrator, huh? They're an infiltrator. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, um, Tyler was, you know, super kind enough to to gift me a pair, my first Bruner mm-hmm. pair, and so of course, you know, I crossed those and start raising the those Bruners, and then uh, so I'll have some pure ones for the for the next year, and right. then um, I acquired some of Tyler's like special little breed that he's been working on which is the black bruner and right I, I well the moment i seen those black bruners i love them they're amazing beautiful birds yeah yeah and um so i got that pullet and then i now i got i got another stag the other day <laughs> <laughs> and uh now it's me and tony jr fighting over over roosters in the field because <laughs> you know Tony Jr. laid claim to everything on the yard. If that thing didn't just look good, Tony Jr. like, oh, I got my tag on. I'm like, that dude there, man. That dude tag on everything in the yard, man. He like, oh, I got my tag on. I was like, hold on, I gotta check them tags, man. I'll see Tony Jr. on here. I see a number. <laughs> but uh yeah, now it's it's it, me and Tyler kind of game came up with a game plan, you know. We sat down and he asked me, you know, what what are you what do you what do you work on? What do you what do you what's the line that you love? What's what's good right. for you? And so I told him, of course, you know, my dad had acquired some Gilmore hatches. That's mm-hmm. what we've been successful with all these years. And uh mm-hmm. so Tyler pondered on it and sat on it and he got together two pullets that he thinks will be good on those Gilmore hatches and uh we shipped mm-hmm. them over and they're in the boot pin now, so hopefully they come out pretty good. Wow, that is awesome, man. So you basically gonna take the Bruner and the Gilmore hatches and, and go ahead and, and produce something that's awesome. So you said yeah. you got that in a brew pen right now. Yep, right now. We we kind of both selected it, so it's pretty cool. Right, right. So y'all actually have it started y'all first uh well I ain't gonna say experiment, but this is this is gonna be a, a first uh try for something either one. Tyler, tell me this. Have have anybody ever did that with the Bruners? With that cross that he's doing now, or? Well, we, uh, I would say six, seven years ago back, we had some good McLeans that we acquired. Uh, mm-hmm. And they always cross good with the Bruners. And the Larry right. Morris, the guy that we got them from, he always had great success with the hatch Bruners or Bruner hatches. Right. <laughs> and that's what I was telling Rick. You know, I think that would be 
a good cross for you because it always worked for us. Right. So, so you was uh, glad to uh, glad to give it a try, huh, Ray? Yeah, we're super happy with it. So, uh, I got high hopes for those to see what the, see what they come out to be. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, guys. I know. Um, um, what, what, and this is a question I have for Tyler. You know, since both y'all guys have kind of went through this program. So, Tyler, what do you feel as though? And I know we probably talked about we talked about this the other day, but but what do you feel as though you really learned, or what has changed with you since this was your first mentoring or direct mentoring um, um, student that you have? You know, how did it affect you or impact you? Well, I'd say you know, like you said, I've never directly sat down or talked to anybody two or three mm -hmm. times a week, go through a whole mm -hmm. program from. Mm -hmm. Selecting brood stock to biddies to right. pinning stags right. to vaccinating right. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it kind of had to, you know, I had to take a step back from it and learn how to become the coach. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it knocks you, it knock, it brings you back down to earth. <clears throat> right. That's what I, I would say. It, you know, I learned more. Don't take nothing for granted. You know, because right. I had a dad that was in it. I had an uncle that was in it. I had a grandpa that was in it. Right. And some people don't have that. Right. So, you know, to take a step back and help somebody that didn't have that, I thought was the greatest thing for me. Right. Exactly. And, and, and Rhett, how do you feel the program impact you? We know it. We know it. Um, obviously, we know it made a huge impact on your birds. Um but but what would you say was the biggest impact on you as 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 an individual? Well, uh, you know, like you said, obviously the birds in, in the yard or whatever. But uh, to be completely honest, Jim, it's been uh, just being able to meet Tyler and his family and his grandpa and his dad, mm -hmm. his uncle, his mom, his sisters, right. Junior, Tony. Right. I got a right. whole group of people behind me now that support me and my dad and they're across the country and so uh, right just the relationship and the friendship that we've all created is priceless to me that that's what right. i got the most out of this program and it's it's opened a lot of doors from you know game file, of course and then right like, education on vitamins and and supplements as well from tony jr and then right. I a lot of information on on health and care from Junior, uh, Tyler's, right. Tyler's brother-in-law, and uh, right. That—that's what I got out of it the most was, you know, what it what it really took behind the scenes, behind the trophies, behind all these cool pictures in Mexico, and you right. know, all the fame and success or whatever. But not everybody's out there on them golf carts when it's raining. Not everybody's out there when it's muddy and yep. snowing, and that yep. is awesome. And then. Uh, you know, I can't thank them enough for opening their doors. Like, I can go to mm -hmm. his mom's house now and have dinner. Like, yep. right now. <laughs> so, it, it, That's right. it's amazing. It's amazing, and it's been a blessing, and uh, I'll never mm -hmm. forget it, never take it for granted. Right, right. Well, I tell y'all, both of y'all guys, man, just like with the other students and the other mentors, you know, the journey to the pit wasn't a, a, a thing that a lot of people had confidence in. Most people said that it would not work. Um, 
because again, it hadn't been done before. And you know how people are when something ain't been done before, they just think it can't be done. Um, but it took guys like yourself. It took guys like Tyler um, and all the other mentors or all the other students to believe that, Hey, let's go ahead and give this a try. Um, and again, it was something that was greater than just the birds. You know what I mean? It seems yeah. like from talking to all the students and all the mentors, it kind of built to me lifelong relationships. Every mentor and every student has created a relationship with each other that is still alive today. Um, and most of them, actually all of them, did not know their mentor prior to the program. And now they're all like, you know, best of friends, which is which is extremely to me, powerful thing, because I never really even thought about it like that. I just wanted to open up a door for guys coming into the sport to create a solid foundation for them of unfiltered for my journey to the pit. But it seems like, man, every time I talk to a mentor and a student, they have had like life changing experiences besides feed programs and biddies and vaccination. Like, man, me and my mentor get are really really close friends now you know we really close friends we talk about stuff outside of chickens now so it has had a huge impact than i even anticipated because again i was just trying to lay the foundation of concepts methods what you needed to do to lay a strong foundation on you know a, a breeding program so we can increase and make these birds better generation after i never expected that you and tyler would have this type of relationship obviously i wanted y'all to be cool because y'all was going to be a mentor and a student. But, man, you done been out to the man house four or five times. You know, they treat you like family. You call his dad, dad. I never yeah. thought the program would come to that, dude. I honestly never did, man. And it's, it's, it's extremely encouraging me. And it makes – I can't even describe how it makes me feel when I talk to guys like you and Tyler. And, again, it's not just y'all two. I talk to some of my other students, and they kind of feel the same about their mentors. And the mentors kind of feel the same about – their students, that right there, and I have to be honest, I never thought it would be that deep, but man, that's a feeling that I even talked to my wife about. And I'm like, wow, do you realize I talked to a student and he said this about his mentor? I talked to a mentor, he said this about a student. I'm like, man, this program was bigger than I thought it would be, that I thought it would be. So hopefully we'll go ahead and continue. We got class two coming up and I'm not going to rush it because I personally have learned a lot some things that I would change um, for the next class as far as qualifications and, and making sure that the students see what direction they're coming in, not to overthink it because I think I did a fairly good job not to see that person. Oh no, hold on. It's the screen. That person pat me on my back again. No, but uh, <laughs> no, but I think that, <laughs> I think it came out pretty good, man. And I just wanted to thank y'all two guys, man, for participating in it, putting an effort into it. Um, to make the program a success because it, it would not have been successful if guys didn't take the attitude that y'all guys have taken and the effort that y'all have put into the program. So I would like to thank both of y'all guys for doing that because y'all helped make the program a success. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, we'll have class two coming up. Hopefully, Rec, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll have you on the other side of the screen where you'll be a mentor and we'll have a student that uh, that you'll be, you'll be taking him through what you've been through. So that's the goal. <laughs> That's the goal, yeah, to have the cool. students to one day become the mentors so we yeah. can keep this thing is going. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, if y'all have any more last words to say, we've been on this thing over an hour and a half. I told Tyler it might be an hour, but I know it will be over an hour. 
Uh, but if y'all guys got any last words to say, any words of advice, say from you, Rex, what words of advice you got for, say, students that's coming into the program? Uh, my advice would be to probably just buy in, buy into what, what you're doing. You know, I mean, you already, you already devoted your time and energy to something. Why not participate in it? And why not like dive into it? Um, look at me like I'm by right. no means well off or rich, but I got money together to go across right. the country three or four times already. Right. And, uh, right. if I didn't, if I didn't make those trips, I don't think we would have gotten this far with the program because like I said, right. you could only get so much, you know, over the video chat and stuff like that. And so right. I would say to go out, go out and uh, get hands on with it and then spend some time with each other and, and make memories, you know, live your life, you know, live a life that you, a life worth living. Let's do it. You know, why not? That's right. That's right. I totally, totally agree. And Tyler, man, for the mentors, the mentors coming into the program, you know, this was your first, this was your first rodeo as a direct mentor. You know, what kind of advice uh, would you say to mentors, you know, dealing with somebody <laughs> new, um, you know, dealing with somebody new to the sport, um, coming in and relying on you for so much. So what advice would you have uh, for the mentors that's considering to be a part of the program? I would say go back to the beginning and do it slow. Mm-hmm. You know, come into it slower mm -hmm. than what you would say if me or Rick are talking now. Because he may not, whoever mm -hmm. you're talking to, may not understand what you're trying to tell him. And you need to, you know, take right. it slow, explain the steps, explain why you're doing it, explain what it's going to do right. for him in, you know, six months. Right. And, uh, you know, do it that way. Take it a little bit slower maybe than I was taking it in the beginning with me and Rick. Because I think I had to slow it down a little bit. Right. But that would be my main advice. Give them time to buy into what you're saying mm -hmm. and take it slow. And take it slow. And take it slow. That, that's some really good advice because what you say makes a lot of sense. We can't assume that they know something and we have to take it slow because, we, you know, if, if they don't know it and you move too fast, they're not going to grasp a lot of the stuff. They'll listen to it. They'll hear it. But they're not really going to grasp the concepts that uh you know that that you're trying to present to them or you're trying to teach them so um that makes a lot of sense and i think kind of rep kind of talked about that anyway from the beginning when he talked about you know it was a totally drastic change but he said you know hey you know what let me just go ahead and try it even though i'm comfortable where we at let's just try to see if it can get a little better and obviously it did so you um, know and what if if you're comfortable where you're at mm -hmm then, I mean, I honestly don't see why you would join the program. That's a great point. You know, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I told Rick. I said, you know, I might have done good last year. Mm -hmm. Excellent. But right. during last year, I need to be thinking about the next two years or the next five years right. or the next ten years. Right. You know, always right. try to improve, listen, and, uh, you know, take to heart what people are saying and maybe it works, right. maybe it don't, but buy into it. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. I mean, I think those are both two uh, very good pieces of advice coming from a student, coming from a mentor. And Rex, this is your first time being a student, having a mentor, correct? Like a direct mentor, kind of like this besides your, well, yeah, you and your dad kind of came in at the same time. Yeah. And like I said, you know, earlier, 
back when we got started, everything was hush hush, and you're gonna have to learn the hard way. So yeah, this right. is the first time I ever got like an open door to a lot of knowledge and experience, and not only from right. Tyler, but like he said, his dad, his uncle, everyone, his grandpa, right. uncles, everybody. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, man, this has been a, um, a pleasant interview. I know y'all can't see the comments, but uh, people are thanking y'all guys, congratulating y'all guys. I think y'all guys are, are two definitely two great representatives of the Journey to the Pit 362 program. It just shows that what this program can produce. If you buy into it, you put in the work, you open up your mind and say, you know what, let's just go ahead and try to get it done. I think y'all are two excellent examples uh, that we can reflect upon and say, hey, those two guys went through the Journey to the Pit program and look at where they are today. You know, Tyler already had his kind of path already made, but then he got another experience, which was being a direct mentor that I think helped him grow as an individual also. Not just the chicken thing, but, you know, as a person, as an individual. So, um, but that's pretty much it, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming on to the show. I will be seeing both of y'all guys. It was March, April. I guess it'll be next month. So we'll be, I'll be back at Swift Creek next month, uh, which y'all will all be having laughs and drinking coffee. And y'all just throw me on the back of the golf cart in the freezing cold while y'all sitting up in the, in the heat, driving, <laughs> driving on the front. So we'll listen, man. In the back bedroom so we can all sleep. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, listen, brothers, y'all have a good night. Uh, thank y'all guys for coming on to the show. And I will talk to y'all guys soon. Um, all the viewers out there, appreciate y'all guys watching. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, again, I'm going to upload this over to uh, YouTube also, too, and it will be on a podcast. So make sure you go over and subscribe to YouTube channel, Journey to the Pit 362 University, and make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast, Journey to the Pit 362. So, guys, y'all brothers have a good night, and I'll talk and see both of y'all soon. Y'all have a good night. Thanks. All right. All right, bye.